first movie review of 2020 here on Movie House. Thank you so much for joining us yet again. I am Ryan Snelling, PJ Campbell. What up, man? We're here. We're back. We're here to not uh, break your brains with our top 100 list. I hope you guys have been listening to our mini-series counting down the top 100 films of the decade as decided by myself and my friend Ryan Snelling here. Yeah, I debated on whether we should put out a, a review this weekend just because I knew that part three was going to come out on Saturday, but we had to do this emergency pod. It's an emergency section uh, session because, believe it or not, Bad Boys for Life is absolutely worth podcasting about. Not only is it worth podcasting about, this is the first time in a long time I can remember a January release actually being worth a damn, and not just worth a damn, like, it's a goddamn good movie. Yes, it is. Before we break it down, is this the first movie you've seen in 2020? Like a brand new 2020 release? No. Uh, I saw It Man 4, the finale, yesterday before this. Was that the first? Yes, that was the first. So it took me 17 days to and see a 2020 film and you 16 days to correct. see a 2020 film. Correct. That is absolutely accurate. And for those wondering, even though we're talking about bad boys, if you're a fan of the It Man film starring Donnie Yen, It Man 4, the finale is really, really great, and it's a really fitting finale, as was, it's called. Where was that playing at? The Loft. Oh, okay. Yeah. I Big mean, crowd? No, not really. It should have been bigger, but I mean, it was also the middle of the day on a Tuesday in Tucson, Arizona. On a Tuesday. That wasn't... Yesterday was... <laughs> or, wait, Thursday. Thursday. Why did like... I have it as Tuesday in my head? <laughs> I got backwards. Yeah. I was like, that wasn't... That's it was true. midweek in the middle of the week when people were working, and I went to go see a martial arts film. That's fair. But then again, where we are, I have no idea. Like, I don't know if people work, because I always just see people around no matter what time it is. That's so. totally fair also. But anyway, that's good to know. It made four. Check that out if you can. Bad Boys for Life was not something I was looking forward to for a lot of reasons. So the first one being I have no attachment or investment in the bad boys franchise up until this point so i told you i have not seen the first two movies in their completion i've seen bits of them i've turned them on when they've been on tv random parts various points of of either film and i'm just not really taken by them and is that the most fair assessment no yeah, probably i mean not. in my opinion yes well i don't i don't know i don't know that it is just because who knows? I mean, do I know definitely for sure that I, I didn't stick around con continuing to watch those movies because I wasn't taken by them? Yes, absolutely. But then again, it's not the best assessment for me to say that like they're bad movies. But at the same time, I get Michael Bay, and it never is encouraging when I feel like people adore these movies or like these movies in like an ironic sort of fashion the way that people tend to do with fast and furious so am i reading the tea leaves properly with all of this uh, yes and i think that's more kind of what i was jumping at more than anything i look they're a very specific type of film they're obviously the most michael bay-ish michael bay films that probably exist especially bad boys too like when we were on the car ride over to this one of the things i said to you was like Bad Boys 2 is essentially what I feel like getting a fucking adrenaline needle put in my heart would feel like, but put on screen. Like, that's what that movie is. And, and that freaks me out because I think of Crank. Right. 
And Crank is also on that level, but Crank does it in 90 minutes. Bad Boys 2 is almost two and a half hours. Yeah. So, you know, just think about that for a second and what that means. And I have a love-hate relationship with the franchise in, like, not really an ironic way, but, like, I know that I enjoy them, but they're also kind of trash cinema like (laughs) if that makes sense like michael bay trash cinema right so there are a lot of fun the first one's actually a pretty good movie it's just the second one is just michael bay at his absolute most michael bayness right and so this movie has been kicking around forever that was 2003 17 years ago that this last movie came out and so the idea of even doing another one now without michael bay just seems so bizarre and like I yeah. wasn't sure how to feel about it and so I can understand the for someone like you who it's like well they're really Michael Bay movies and you don't really care about the first two why would you care about the third one if he's not involved right and why would someone like me who kind of enjoys them without Michael Bay being interested this whole this play this coming back after almost two decades removed from the from the previous film like that play is like pathetic and pitiful most on its, of the time on its own merit and we're already talking about a franchise that i just have nothing but like ignorance but also just uninterest disinterest right. from entirely and so it's just like wow that's maybe the last thing that i want to see first thing in january of 2020 because in the spirit of january cinema it's just never good correct like, like that's another tell right that this I, I can't believe that I walked into this um, thinking that I was going to see a January movie, and I came out like wondering if this is the best action movie of the year. Easily, like, out the gate right now. And you know what's so funny? Was you and I had put off even discussing going to see this until, like, two nights ago, where we were like, so are we going to do this? Like, what? what's the deal? Are we going to go see it? Yeah, I guess we should. That January release date, though, had me nervous as hell. Yeah, and, like... The the trailer, I, for one, I think this movie is better than the trailer. Oh, by because far. The trailer sort of made me f- feel justified in everything that I've already spoken to already. Like, right. it was kind of an eye roll. I know a lot of people enjoyed the trailer when it first came out, but again, just something I didn't care about really. So I was just like, okay, if, if anything, I just go see Will Smith and Martin Lawrence enjoy themselves and uh, just have some fun and. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just a fun, ridiculous thing that I don't need to take seriously, and I'm fine with forgetting about uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks. The way that we did it with Gemini, man. Sure. But, um, yeah, it's not the case, and and it's crazy. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know where I want to start. I don't know where I want to go here. Um, I'm well, kind of just so I'm, – I'm shook. Sure. I mean, we wa- we both walked out, and the first thing I said to you was – was it just me, or was that movie actually really, really good? And I think that was the thing that, going into this, I was so surprised about to begin with, was as the days were leading up to this, uh, Sony had put the movie like on a last-minute critic screening. Like they were, It felt like they were prepared for people to not enjoy it. Mm. And, you know, when you hide a movie too close to its release date, for the critics that's always a tell that like the movie is problematic and people weren't going to enjoy it right and yet the reviews started to roll in and they were crazy positive like i think it's at a 78 or something right now on rotten tomatoes 74 at the time that we're recording this okay so it's fallen a little bit but i mean that says that three-fourths of the critics like this movie right 
I saw a tweet from Chris Parker over at 3C Films, and he said he loved this movie. It was obviously the franchise best and blah, 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 blah. And I kind of fell back with, okay, so are they loving this ironically? Is that why the tomato meter is so high? Then again, I, you don't let Michael Bay – I know this wasn't directed by Michael Bay, but you wouldn't let a Michael Bay film or uh, of that spirit off in that way. Like, right. People are going to decide that they love it. They'll love it, but that doesn't mean that the tomato meter is going to represent that necessarily. And then I saw a couple of other, other tweets that were talking about how the movie was mediocre, so I just kind of fell back into that. Um, wondering what we were actually going to get ourselves into. And I didn't really, I I, I didn't really know Uh, the first few minutes. I was like, okay, I can't believe I'm actually fairly into this. And the other thing too, again, it's, it's worth noting that I'm viewing this also as a standalone. And um, I felt very, I still felt very at home. Mm -hmm. Like I, I could, see and i felt invited i felt like i knew these guys already which i thought was pretty interesting i think that's a pretty good sign for a sequel to to not need all that other context i've i've actually felt pretty good about it um and without spoiling any of the story beats they kind of reference their past a lot obviously in the movie and i just kind of assumed wrongly because it ended up not being the case i assumed wrongly that it was part of uh one of the previous movies and when i did that i still felt like i could put it together like okay that's just the thing that happened but it ended up kind of playing out and it was a new story for both of them it was actually a pretty organically made film in that respect i felt like i mean i have a history with this franchise more than you do um obviously and so one of the things i was curious about is doing anything 17 years later when you're so far removed like that's a whole nother audience now. I mean, yeah. Bad Boys came out. Bad Boys Two came out when I was thirteen. I'm turning thirty this weekend, so I mean, I'm not the only one who has aged quite a bit. There was people who were not alive when the first one came out who can see this movie opening weekend. Like, so the context is you have to be able to sell this movie to an audience who doesn't care about it in the same way for the audience who does. And I think that this movie really rode that fine line of, like, ushering someone like you in, while also clearly being, like, a love letter to what's come before for everyone else. Yeah, it's good that you bring that up, because I think, if anything, Will Smith has a lot to do with that. The fact that he is a gentleman who has embraced the social media information age. He's huge on YouTube. He's huge on Instagram. He's definitely somebody that I think uh, translates to this younger generation. Now, uh, I'm lucky in that I do have all the context that you do of the previous films without having seen them. So I've sort of aged with Will Smith as we've gone on. But I'd I'd be curious to know, say, what my sister thinks of this, who is seven years younger than me, uh, 22. Uh, I'd be curious to know what she thinks of this movie. It's kind of interesting that there's not a number attached to the title. Like it, right. it can just be bad boys for life. It can just be kind of a movie. And now that I've seen it, I, again, I think it doubles down on that idea. People can just go see this movie without having the, the context of the other ones. And if anything, it'll make you want to go back because mm-hmm. there still is a dialogue. Like, Hey, we said like we were young when we did those things and now right. it's time to move on to this next phase of our lives. So it might be worth going back and, and viewing these types of movies. But what's interesting is that Martin Lawrence is sort of the antithesis of that. Absolutely. Because Martin Lawrence kind of hasn't, he hasn't been around. He's really kept to himself. It felt like, like yeah. he really hasn't been in much of 
anything lately. Right. And I don't know that the movie sold... I, I don't think the movie did a, a lot... I don't, they didn't make a lot of effort to sell the movie based on the younger... Uh, Ammo. The Ammo, group. Which yeah. is the group... You see them in a trailer, but the movie isn't selling that. Correct. If that makes sense. Like, so, they're definitely in it, but they're not the focal point like that Sony was trying to sell you. Because any other studio or any other time they might make an effort to put Vanessa Hudgens on a massive pedestal and say, that, hey, she's the next big thing. Right. And I actually appreciate that, too. And we might bring this up a little bit more when we talk about the intricacies of the film. But they could have made the Vanessa Hudgens play and and just catered like, almost the entire movie to her. The movie itself, not only did the uh, um, marketing not do that, the movie doesn't do that. That the mo- was The movie doesn't even act like it's Vanessa Hudgens. It's crazy. I, and I'm really glad about that because that was one of my fears with the movie was the idea of Ammo being like the next generation of bad boys, if you right. will. Um, that kind of felt like that play, like the idea of the passing of the torches we've always heard. Yeah. It was something that... Ghostbusters talked about doing for a long time and then obviously they did the reboot instead but now we're kind of seeing it come back anyway so franchises do this Force Awakens did it Um, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was 19 years later and kind of did the same play with Shia I think that the play is different though because I don't think it was a passing of the torch that wasn't this movie's play it was it was more Old school versus new school well and that's what I was going to say is that so all these movies were used to them doing that and this movie rightly right. avoided it. And that's what I liked. Like, yes, he works with them, and it is a little bit of old school versus new school, but at the end of the day, the thing that works the most about Ammo as a whole, I think, and I know that we're like jumping into this at such a weird angle, talking about Vanessa Hudgens and this group that they work for, but it really is just more of a play to humanize Mike in a way also because he's put himself so on the line that he needs to be in a place where he's kind of contained. And I liked that about it. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Somebody who has seen the other two movies, I I do think that they humanized both characters, but I do think that Mike was clearly on display. Oh yeah. More so not just because he was the action star, but I think the movie just spent more time on Mike and Will Smith. So I'm wondering, do the other two movies, do that at all and do you think this is a result of where we are in our culture the fact that will smith is just a much bigger greater presence in 2020 than martin lawrence is or do you think it was just strictly smart writing smart marketing just the kind of story they wanted to tell i think it became part of the story that they wanted to tell and i also think it's a credit to will smith and martin lawrence knowing that to them, they are the brand, but also realizing that Will is clearly the bigger star at this point. Yeah. Not a dig at Martin Lawrence. He just hasn't been doing as much, and that's okay. So for them to focus on Will Smith's Martin Lawrence or yeah, Mike Lowry character so much. Right. I actually noticed that out the gate. I thought that was very interesting that the movie very much hinged on it being about him. Like the other two movies, it's much more evenly kind of spread out between them but also martin lawrence is older in this and i think that they were trying to play into that like he's probably not going to be able to do a lot of the action in the same way that he could have 
17 years ago, but Will is kept in shape and has been able to do it. And right. I think that was a result of that. But also that Mike's character has always been the, like the rugged hero, the one who's always putting himself on the line. And this movie played to that. And I'll be honest, uh, talking about the film and Mike, I was not expecting them to pull the card where he was almost killed at the beginning of the movie. Right. And I loved that about it because it also pushed Martin Lawrence to do some of his best dramatic work. And it totally puts us on the path for the rest of the film of why their relationship still to this day is like everything that the foundation of the series is. Yeah, I agree. So it's good to know that it didn't feel like a sort of a betrayal of Martin Lawrence's character, I guess, even though it was unique to <laughs> to the franchise. Is this the best Will Smith movie of the last 10 years. The only contender that I know of concussion in 2015. And then it goes to 2008 and 2007, seven pounds, Hancock and I am legend, which is just worth noting just because it was a great streak pursuit of happiness right before that. But you have men in black three in 2012. You have after earth uh, Winter's Tale, Focus, Concussion, Suicide Squad, Collateral Beauty, Bright, and Aladdin. I don't know, man. I, I think people give Concussion unfair flack. I, I think it's fine, maybe forgettable, but I think it was well done. Is this the best one since I am legend? I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes, absolutely. And I know that that is... Um probably going to be a little bit controversial. There's a lot of people who really do love Suicide Squad, and I know there's a lot of people who really love Aladdin. What about Men in Black 3? And I really like Men in Black 3. So here's what's interesting, is that I think this is the second time now that he has taken a property to like the third film a couple of years later and made a superior product almost entirely to the rest of the franchise. <laughs> um, Men in Black is still my favorite in that series but men in black three is very very close but i think this also speaks to the volume of when will really is on he's on like we saw a jerry Bruckheimer film with will smith less than six months ago in gemini man and that movie is it's not his fault but like it's just it made me question if there was any star power left for him right and what i believed he could really accomplish as a actor and like did what i even care about bad boys 3 and i remember walking out of gemini man and going oh my god like i'm terrified for what bad boys 3 could look like like just that idea that gemini man could sour what i was anticipating in a way because if they let this movie happen like how wrung out and old and <laughs> just not fun is it gonna be right and i'm glad that this movie ended up being his best movie and it almost a decade because it shows that he still has that charisma. He still has that charm. He's the Will Smith that we all like. And with the right people behind him, he shines in that. Yeah. Like, I mean, even going as far as Aladdin, he's arguably the best part of that movie. But yeah. I mean, again, it's your mileage may vary on that take on the character. It, it's funny how much this movie reminded me of Gemini man, because you're dealing with the Will Smith. That's, sort of discussing his own age. Right. Uh, whether he's able to do the thing, being faced with a younger, quote-unquote, version or just a younger uh, foil to himself. But also just some of the visual flair, too. Like, there's a particular fight sequence that he has with someone wearing a bike helmet 
dressed in black, which is literally identical to something in Gemini Man, uh, on the rooftop of, I guess it was some sort of, like, Miami, like, little hotel or something. Yeah, some it looked sort. like a hotel of some uh, sort. It was out on a balcony, and then it kind of went to the rooftop, and it just looked like Gemini Man, because even though it was set in Europe the setting and just it, it all looked very similar to to itself and but also uh and i'm not going to spoil anything but the final set piece also looked visually reminiscent of a sequence and a setting in gemini man so it was it was funny to have that immediate comparison there and that's why i felt so confident uh, in what you're saying whereas like this is the reminder of what will smith can be and even though he just had an absolute dud he really showed out and reminded us why we love him in the first place here. Yeah, and I think it's been interesting because I've been making this argument for a little while that I felt like it might have been time for him to realize he wasn't the A-list star that he was and that taking supporting roles and things like Aladdin and Suicide Squad might be better in the Mm -hmm. long run because it kind of felt like his star power had faded and he just wasn't making the movies that he used to. This movie reminded me that he could, and it kind of makes me want him to do more like this. Like, I want to see the R-rated Will Smith again. Like, there's something about him just kind of being that guy that works. Like, it works well, and he's really fucking fun when he wants to be. Yeah, aside from Suicide Squad, I'll I'll give Aladdin some some praise. It was obviously successful, but I, I want Will Smith to be movie star Will Smith, and I don't want him to do the collateral beauties and the winner's tales or anything like that right now. Like, I, I yeah. want him to get back to, and maybe he thought Gemini Man was going to be this, but I want him to get back to being like a movie star. I would like to see him kind of take a Dwayne Johnson approach to how he makes movies because Dwayne Johnson not only just makes like crowd pleasing films, but he's also very much in charge of his own career right. in this way. So I'd like to be able to tell that Will Smith is doing a lot of that. I and, think he's starting to. Well, I, I think so too because we said this in the car right over here. It seemed like, and I don't want to spoil anything, but it seemed like they were going to go in a direction. That allows for this to be similar, a fr- similar franchise to Fast and the Furious, mm-hmm. and I think maybe it gets a little more in a good way, not in a Michael Bay way. It goes a little bit more balls out, and we can have a lot more fun with these types of things uh, moving forward. Yeah, and I think that's a credit to Bilal Falal. I'm totally butchering their name. You're the probably. last person here. I'll support you here. Go ahead. Uh, Bilal Falal and Adil El Arbi? Yeah. Adil, I would say Adil and Bilal. Yeah. yeah. So Adil and Bilal, these two <laughs> came out of nowhere. They are the two that have actually been attached to Beverly Hills Cop 4. This is something I was talking to you about for a little bit. And I wasn't sure what to make of them coming on because they were filmmakers who really weren't proven. Uh, coming on to a massive franchise like this, again, 17 years later, right. that's a massive undertaking. It's a lot of pressure, and it's a big blockbuster with a January release date. Mm. These two showed up and balled out in the best way possible and pushed this franchise to what I would say is arguably the peak of what it is, right? but with the potential to do more. Kind of like what you just hinted at. I don't want to talk about too much about what happens at the end, but they definitely set up for the idea that there can be more films. 
And I love that idea. One of the credited writers for Bad Boys for Life is Peter Craig. Do you want to know what other movie Peter Craig worked on that will be released this year? That is also a long time coming sequel. A long time coming sequel also coming out this year. Bill and Ted? Top Gun Maverick. No shit. Yes. Oh, interesting. How about that? That is very interesting. And that's, there's another Bruckheimer film too. So that's he's right. keep he's that's keeping right. it in the family right now because uh, and Will Smith also in Top Gun no <laughs> but I, mean, I should have said Martin Lawrence Damn you should have that would have been amazing <laughs> but like thinking about that uh, on our car ride back one of the things that we saw was Bad Boys Four was already in development with some of the same screenwriters right. as well as National Treasure Three so Bruckheimer's like really all in on some of the people he's working with and I find that very interesting yeah the the Bruckheimer name has sort of fallen off for me personally just because I haven't been involved and in, like. Almost to the point where I couldn't even tell you what he's made post-Pirates. I mean, Gemini Man and National Treasure are the ones that come to mind immediately. So his Prince his, of Persia, maybe? Ew. Yeah. Yeah, his clout has uh, fallen off for me recently. Uh, my old stepdad used to do his Christmas lights in Kentucky. No, wow. Uh, wow. That's awesome. No way. No, wow. That was a weird thing. That no, I, wow. Yeah. Hey! Hey! Also, it's worth mentioning Carnahan, too, just because... That that was a little bit of my hesitation going into this movie, too, because I knew that there was some sort of issue. Uh, he talked about it on uh, Collider Live, but he also also kind of came out in the trades, I remember, that there was some issue. And I follow him on social media, so I think I saw him uh, say some shit about just sort of the conflicts that he had with Will Smith. So I was surprised to see that he was still credited producer and writer. And honestly, Carnahan's... He's disappointed me a lot lately, um, personally. He's made a lot of just super forgettable, cool, like, Carnahan-branded stuff that, like, it makes sense, but it just really has not risen to the top. I'm thinking about Wheelman that came out on Netflix, which is, like, enjoyable, but, again, for- absolutely forgettable. Um, Point and Blank, that remake that came out last year with Mackie, uh, I-, I turned it off. I just, like, couldn't take it. I just did not enjoy it. And Did he I- direct that one? No, it's oh, just okay. a war party film got under, it, under it, his. It. And, uh, but I, and I'm always excited. I always want to support Carnahan. But, um, you know, the the fact that he kind of fell off, it seemed, the, the production, at least in the directing capacity, I was a little discouraged by that. But in a weird way, it kind of supports the, uh, I don't know. What, what, what does that mean to you, that Carnahan, like we still got a great movie with Carnahan attached. But, like, I guess what I'm saying is right now I, I don't, if this movie was bad, it'd be easy for me to say, oh, Carnahan definitely should right. have directed it. And it's not like I'm taking a, a a stab at Carnahan. I just like didn't need it to direct it after all, if this is what this is going to be. Yeah, and I'm glad in a way because, I mean, would I have liked to see Carnahan's? Yes, but I think that there's also something to say about Will probably knows the franchise a little bit better than him. I mean, he's been there since the beginning and sometimes there's certain things that you may not want to change depending on what Carnahan was trying to do I will say I was a little nervous about the idea of him being a credited writer but not directing because I was telling you in the car like the last time that happened we got Death Wish with Bruce uh, yeah. Death Wish with Bruce Willis. That, like that has to be like studio meddling because oh, it one hundred percent has that to. Death Wish script. I, I've been hearing him talk about that for years. That was like one of his babies, and the fact that it came out like absolute shit. I just think that's a testament to uh, the powers that be that had uh, that over over his. No, head. and I don't disagree with you, but I'm more just saying like it's 
a bummer of an idea yeah. to have that in the back of your head because you're like, well, I know this dude can do good work, but also look what happened not that long ago. Right. So the fact of the matter was that the rotating doors of directors on this, the lack of Michael Bay, it was definitely something that had me worried. But I think that it speaks to the credit of using some of the stuff that Carnahan had laid out, but finding another way around to make it work for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Ended up creating a film that's probably the best of both worlds, yeah. in a way. Like, And I that's not a slight. That's a good thing. Sometimes it's good to have different hands involved. Not always, but in this movie's case, it works. I still see a lot of like Carnahanisms in this movie. Me too. Like so without spoiling anything, there's a sequence and a portion of the movie that revolves around a hit list. Mm-hmm. And so like the way that it played out and was sequenced in the movie, I was like, oh my God, that's that's something Carnahan came up with. There was also a set piece that you and I acknowledged in the car that uh, was definitely took from place his. at night. There, it was a car sequence, but also just the way that it was uh, set up underneath the bridge at night with a bunch of uh, ATVs and motorcycles. I was like, oh, that's that seems like a, a Carnahan thing, the way that all of that happened. So I definitely felt like I, I could see him in this movie, even though ultimately, like, I don't know if this is the version, and I don't think he, uh, he, he would even agree that uh, this wasn't, what he necessarily had in mind but it's all no. good yeah and i think that again that's a testament to the fact that even if he and will did have a falling out the fact that they or even like they didn't necessarily agree the fact that, that he got to stay on as a producer the fact that they kept a lot of the dna of whatever he was working on right it shows that there was a working relationship between them and like will definitely must have seen some of what he liked in it, but there right. might have been other stuff that just needed to be changed. And that's okay. Um, the ammo stuff, I'm wondering if that was something that was not in Carnahan's. Like, that does not yeah. feel very Carnahan to me, and I no. wonder if that was something Will really wanted. Um, again, because I think Mike as a character gets pushed because of ammo. Right. Um, but still, the thing I will say, too, and I haven't really touched on this because we hadn't really gotten there, but we're kind of on the talk of the directors and stuff i didn't miss michael bay if anything (laughs) if anything was it cool he has a cameo in the movie was that nice yes i'm glad he was there but what i will say is that this for me is easily the most maturely made film in the Mm. franchise and because of that it's the best film in the franchise for that reason i think the action is awesome without being exhausting i think that it's just like it's got the dna of a michael bay movie but it's turned down a little bit but also totally does its own thing so like it acknowledges where it's come from but goes in a different direction and i'm glad for it even i could recognize some of the more iconic shots right like there's a the bad boy shot is the camera rising yeah. while spinning around those two characters that's in this movie the miami shot of that's the, right the sign of that's course. right all of that is there and even i could recognize that as somebody who hadn't seen the uh, the other movies so i think that's there and i thought they did a good job sort of representing that as well i i i tend to understand why <laughs> this is the best movie. It's simply the one that I could just sit down and enjoy. But you're right. I didn't miss or, you know, it, I think there's just something to be said that Michael Bay, it just goes to prove he's just not a good director. <laughs> he might have one sk- a particular skill set 
but he doesn't have the overall package that a director needs to have to accomplish what he's accomplished. This reminds me of where we were with Bumblebee, Mm -hmm. how I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I want this Transformers franchise to be, but I will never have it as long as Michael Bay is behind it. Same here. I'm now like super pumped for this movie. I can't wait to talk about it for the rest of the year. I can't wait to see what they do next. Hopefully Carnahan comes in and maybe directs uh, the fourth one after he sees the success of this one. That'd be rad, actually. It'd be awesome. I would love it. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I didn't miss Michael Bay either. I, I, uh, I'm I done with him. I saw Six Underground, um, turned it off after like 20 minutes, and just said, I'm, I'm done thinking that he's going to give me something. I mean, the truth of the matter is, and I don't think we really talk about this a whole lot, like, unless he's doing his scaled back films a lot of the time, that's he's all substance with no style. And I don't even well, like... I, I guess that... Uh, I'm sorry. He's all style with no substance. There's no substance to what he's doing. But I look at Bad Boys, the first one. I look at The Rock. I look at 13 Hours. And some people will give him pain and gain. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't care for any of them. I, I just don't. No, and that's fair. I, just, I acknowledge that those are better. Right. And that's but, more what I'm getting at. I but think. I just don't like him overall. Yeah, and that's fair. And I think that... It speaks volumes to this franchise that it is survivable without him also. Because I think that it proves that it was never the Michael Bay of the situation that made the movies work. It was the Will Smith and the Martin Lawrence that made it work. I agree. Yeah, that seems evident here. Yeah, and I think that that's a great thing that they honed in on. And I kind of touched on it earlier. One of the things I love about this movie is that it really pushes the characters in different directions. And I want to say it again. Martin Lawrence is doing some of his best acting I have ever seen. There are some really great scenes with him that are like legitimately emotional. And he right. is so good in it that I hope that he starts acting again more full time because I want to see him do more like that. I thought the comedy was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Sometimes there's like, I'm trying to think of an instance. I, I can't off the top of my head, but I definitely recognize it in the theater. Sometimes there's just like movie comedy. Like, here's a great example. It wasn't in the movie, but a great example of, like, movie comedy, just things that every movie does to be funny, are, like, the he's right behind me, isn't he kind yeah. of gag. You know what I mean? So, at first, uh, the, the movie did have a lot of that, especially towards the beginning, as we're kind of understanding that Martin Lawrence is, like, this old man now. And there was a lot of, there was, like, movie comedy in it that I was like, okay, I don't think that this movie is particularly funny. And in the strangest way... It got funnier and funnier as it went on, mm-hmm. which like never, ever happens for a movie that's comedic. I So often, I think a movie is funny out the gate and then just loses its cool uh, as it progresses through. And in the weirdest way, this just got funnier and funnier. The characters got funnier and funnier. The situations got funnier and funnier. And it was strange, too. And I even laughed at the moments that were in the trailer more than I did when I saw them in the trailer because it was funnier within context. Right. And I was going to say, I think the reason it starts getting funnier and funnier as it goes along is the longer the movie goes, the more Martin Lawrence is involved. And so that pushes the movie to be funnier because... I mean, not that Will Smith isn't funny. He's very funny in this. But Martin Lawrence is clearly, like, the funny guy, and Will Smith is the cool guy, you know? So the more Martin Lawrence is in it, the more he gets to do the humor and things like that. And their banter, even 25 years later, is still awesome. They're so good together. Like, it's legitimately great to see a duo like this 
now still being able to be what they were and that that's rare like you don't always see that again i could point to a years later sequel in something like indiana jones and the last crusade like the relationship between harrison ford and karen allen is not quite the same you as mean it crystal was. skull yeah what did i say last crusade yeah sorry crystal skull uh was not quite the same as it was in Raiders. Like right. that that chemistry wasn't quite there. And I know that that's more of like a romantic chemistry, but that was still a big deal to bring them back in that movie. In this one to bring these two back and hope that the chemistry was the same works and I'm glad that it does. We touched on this for a second. You talked about how everything just like it was not over exhausting all of the action and everything and there was a lot of lot of fun action here. Mm-hmm. Some of it was just ridiculous, but it made me laugh in the Drax sort of way, where I'm just yes. like finding joy out of violence. Uh, there's one particular shot where it's in a um, uh, it's in a car garage, and there's just an absolute like slam like crunch of a moment that I know uh, exactly what you're I, talking about. I couldn't help but laugh at, and I was just having like so much fun. Uh, with that, there's a couple other cool things uh, that go on in a lot of few. Ex- I, I just thought it was so much fun and entertaining. But uh, not only that, like I actually felt like the movie, for as cliche as it could look at times, I felt like it was so earnest that it worked past those with no problem. But it also had quite a few shocks and surprises too yeah. that I was not expecting. Um, one in particular, I don't know if you heard me audibly go, "What the fuck!" Like I was so taken aback by them doing it that it like legitimately shook me to my core a little bit. Um, I don't know if I heard you. Okay. Yeah. It was towards the middle of the movie. I don't want to say exactly what it is. Cause if there's fans of the franchise, I don't want to spoil it. Um, but oh, it, I think I know. I, yeah. I think I can guess now. Yeah. And it was a very massive turning point for the film. Yeah. In a weird way, because that happened where it did, the rest of the movie kind of never addressed it. I noticed that too. Like, think about it. Like, it was a huge what the fuck moment for the entire movie, but it kind of like never. It kind of does though, because they have the conversation about it, and it's sort of the conversation that pushes. Yeah, but um, well, I want to talk about that off air because there was just like something that I thought was like hilariously missing from that scene. No, and I (laughs) I don't disagree with you, and I think that's one of those things about it's still a bad boys movie. It's you yeah. know what I mean, like yeah. it, so they're still got to play it up the way they're going to, right? I so, get that. Yeah, I mean you're not wrong, but also they they do address it, and then in a very bad boys way, the rest of the movie just kind of plays the way that it does. It's a huge moment that kind of just serves as the prompt, and that's it. Yeah, really, for for what comes next, I, I want to talk real quick about ammo. Okay, let's do it. So to go back and discuss Vanessa Hudgens, they. This movie does not play up the fact that they have cast Vanessa Hudgens. But because of that, I felt like she personally did a bang up job. Now, does she do like a tremendous amount? Like she actually she might be hmm. Do you think she does the least out of the 3 in Ammo? I think that that's very potentially accurate okay maybe they do a good job distributing like actually i think actually um charles melton does the least uh he has a couple of good jokes but like it really comes down to alexander ludwig who plays this character named dorn 
and uh, Vanessa Hudgens, and maybe Charles Melton's actually the one that's least involved. But regardless of that, I thought Vanessa Hudgens did a great job and like stood out with what she was given actually. So I was like very impressed, even though she wasn't like the biggest character in the movie. I thought she did a great job. I thought all three of them were actually really, really good. And also, I mean, you can't forget that they also have like one of the arguably coolest parts of the movie is, um, Paula Nunez, who is like the head of ammo and Mike's former love interest. She's is really great, too. She, is she in any of the other movies? Mm-mm. Okay. I, I figured that, but I just... Yeah, no. They, so this is a thing that's happened in the 17 years since yeah. everything. Right. But that whole that whole dynamic works because it's also clear that the idea of ammo is to try to be the anti-bad boys, if you will. Like, do things actually tactical, actually do right. things in a way that works, and do things in a way that will keep them you know employed <laughs> right <laughs> uh, because if you're anything if you're involved in any of what Will Smith and Martin Lawrence have been doing the fact that you have an employment at all is a miracle in and of itself That's because true. you probably shouldn't be but those young kids work and you know the expendables 3 try to do something very similar having like a young team that is in the film, but the problem with that was they did exactly what we talked about that this avoided. They made them the focus of that film and took out all the bigger action stars and just Mm. put them around Stallone, whereas this one, they're not the focal point. It's still Will and Martin's movie. Right. They just happen to be in it. Right. I feel like every instinct... I talk a lot about instincts on here, especially with these, like, (laughs) these continuous franchises i feel like every instinct was right going into this movie Me too. the way that they figured out how to develop these characters how to address them after all these years removed how to address all of these elements like we talked about the old uh versus new school uh, i just thought it was super well done i really did and just thoroughly impressed with how much i enjoyed this i i legitimately think it's the best cop movie We've seen since the Nice Guys. I think it's arguably the best Will Smith movie in 10 years. And I'm here for it. And I'm here to say that I'm excited for this franchise moving forward. Now, I can't say that I feel compelled to watch the previous two movies. Because I still think those... I don't think it's going to change how I feel about those. Right. But I'm uh, on the bad boys train right now. And I'm ready to get excited for whatever comes next. That's kind of a nice feeling, though. Like, to be able to come into a franchise like this and be excited about it again. Like, I mean, that was kind of what Fast Five did for the Fast and the Furious franchise. Or Mission Impossible 3 did. Like, reignited our love for a franchise that we didn't think we could love again. So... It's just a nice feeling to go into this feeling that way, or coming out of this feeling this way now. And what I will say is, on like one last note, I'm really glad that they treated the characters as human. Uh, one of the things I was very worried about was the idea of them trying to let them stay the young bad boys and not like really deal with the aging of it all. Right. Like I figured with Martin Lawrence they might, but they really did a lot with Will Smith's character right. to really show just how long it's been how long they've been at this how long he's been doing this and what was the cost of it all like i really like that they dealt with that a lot and it was surprisingly like poignant in a very good way yeah i think this is again sort of going back to what i said about 
I think this is Will Smith's like Dwayne Johnson play. And I think that maybe Martin Lawrence knows, or maybe he's just not interested in, in doing this forever. Right. So maybe there's a way that he's eventually going to be, he's going to walk away. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. And I'd be curious to know if, I'd be curious to know if the, the ammo crew is going to make it back for the next movie. I'd be curious to know if they are like, if ammo, like, well, I'm not going to say. I that. have a theory. Um, I, I don't necessarily want to say it on air. I'll talk to you about it okay. off air, but I'll just say the cast. I wonder if the cast will come back. I think ammo will definitely still be a part. Okay. That that's a gut feeling I have right now. Is there anything else to say? Uh, I cannot believe how good this movie is. I can't believe how much I enjoyed it. I can't believe this is a January release. Like this should have easily been a bigger summer blockbuster type film, but I'm actually glad it's a January release. That's this good in a way, because hopefully that means for the next couple of weeks, it'll just dominate the box office. And like, we get the ball rolling on the fourth one already. Like we already know that they're working on the script. So, you know, if you're worried about seeing this movie because you like the first two and you are afraid of the non-Michael Bay factor, or if you don't like the first two and you're just not interested because of the Michael Bay factor from previous installments, check this movie out. You might be surprised how much you like it. We we might be in for a good January because we have The Gentleman coming out next week. Guy Ritchie. And then... Is the rhythm section supposed to be good? That Blake Lively movie? I've heard mixed things. Okay. I want to like it. It's a Eon production. I was going to um, say, maybe it's just worth... Maybe a good January just has to have two good movies. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, the fact that we have a movie this good, though, in the middle of a January is a miracle. That's right. Legitimately. I agree. Is there anything else to say about Bad Boys for Life before we head out of here? Nah, man. I think we've said it all. But, you know, we ride together. We die together. Yes. Bad Very Boys good. for Life. Very good. Guys, go check out this movie. Don't be afraid to go have a have a fun time at the theater. We saw it in IMAX. I thought it was great. Oh, it was a blast in IMAX. Great, great action movie. Great cop movie. Great Will Smith movie. There you go. Good to see Martin Lawrence back. And if you, if you don't care about the franchise at all, the first two movies, I think you'll still find something here to enjoy. If you do love the franchise, it's arguably going to be the best for you as well. So I just think all around, this is a win-win. You should definitely check it out. So there's that. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with this sentiment right now, and I'm very, very excited for what's to come. Guys, go to letterboxd.com slash moviehouse. Hopefully, I do a good job this year keeping track of all the movies that we see and cover on this very podcast and maybe some that we don't cover on the podcast definitely check that out you can also see all of the lists that we're putting up there including the top 100 movies of the 2010s that next episode part three comes out on saturday so this is a friday podcast so it's the very next day so keep your eyes peeled and your ears open for that pj campbell where can they find you online? You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram over at PJ underscore Campbell. You can find me at the PJ Campbell Show Facebook group, and you can find my podcast, The PJ Campbell Show, wherever podcasts are sold. Twitter and Instagram at WhatUpSnell. Guys, thank you so much. We'll see you on the next one.